Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 32. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever you are in the world, I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. Another week, another great guest. I first met Mike Morrison on the CMA kickoff event, which quite a few guests who have appeared already on the show, I also met there. And Mike was speaking about the memberships. He's also one half of the Membership Guy company, and he specializes in working with membership sites. I loved his passion. We had a great chat over a pint, um, which is always a good place to have a great conversation. So, Mike, I just want to say welcome to the show. Jeff. Thanks for having me. How awesome to hear another Geordie voice on a podcast. I mean, there's way too many Americans in this game. There you go. I've just alienated like 70% of your listenership. Yeah. But it is so cool to hear an accent like mine on air. Do you know That's what, awesome. Do you know what the scary thing is? Is The majority of people that I know in the US associate Geordies with Geordie Shaw. Oh, and no. That, that, Don't. I... <laughs> that is the problem. Ah, yeah, I always forget about that. I try my hardest to pretend it doesn't exist because, yeah. you know, what we really needed as Geordies was another media outlet to represent us as bumbling idiots because yeah. there's not been enough of that in the past. Not at all, not at all. I know. I think that's the, that's the biggest problem with this. They go, oh, I know who you are now. I went, yeah, yeah, that's how we all are. Everyone yeah. in the Northeast. <laughs> but it's lovely to have you on the show. I know you've had a really, really busy month. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey that's got you to this point? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I first kind of went self-employed, I suppose, and, and set up my own business probably about seven or eight years ago. Um, and it was it was a traditional kind of digital agency working with small, medium, large, basically any business that would give me money um, to, to help them turn their strategies and all that sort of stuff into reality online. And I was perfectly happy ticking along doing that, doing the stuff that everybody kind of normally does. But then bit by bit, the uh, the, the typical day-to-day that you deal with in running a service business, the crazy clients, the demanding deadlines, they started to chip away a little bit until they got to a point where it was enough to kind of make me think, you know what, there's got to be a different way of of serving people that doesn't involve you essentially um, you know, kowtowing to to crazy stuff um, that a lot of clients will put out there. And so, you know, I, I started to take a little bit more control over my business. I started to be very specific and selected and targeted about the types of clients I would work with and about the types of projects that I would work with. And um, I've I've had the privilege to work with a lot of um, a lot of big name international brands as well as a lot of amazing one man band client so it was it was never really about the budget it was just about the kind of project and as part of taking that control and being more selective about the type of jobs i work with i started focusing more on doing more of the stuff i actually enjoyed and the projects i really enjoyed were things like building online communities building subscription-based businesses and memberships Um, not just because they were big, complicated projects with a lot of moving parts, and you know a lot of a, a lot to think of in terms of the strategy and the marketing. But also just because uh, there was a greater opportunity to to help people make a difference and make an impact. And that sounds cheesy, but it really suckered me in the whole idea of of um, you know online paid memberships, e-learning sites, online communities. And so I, more and more, I started to focus on those type of projects until eventually um, I partnered up with my partner in crime and partner in life, Miss Callie Willows, the real brains of the operation. And we started exclusively focusing on helping people with memberships. And we've been involved in hundreds and hundreds of membership sites um, in the, the past several years, number of which we've gotten to six and even seven figures in uh, in annual revenue and about two years ago we doubled down we stopped taking on clients altogether and we started actually teaching people how to do this for themselves uh, through the membershipguys.com where we publish all sorts of awesome free stuff through to our own membership site about membership sites where we've got hundreds of students in there and we're helping them 
create successful memberships. Wow. And and I do have to say, there is tons of phenomenal stuff on your website. I mean, I get emails all the time from you and just having a look at it or listen to your podcast show. Um, mm. And there is an unbelievable amount of, of information that you get that's all like, oh, I really needed to know that. I really needed yeah. to know that. So it's absolutely fantastic. Um, Thanks, Ron. So with, with regards to that, there's a couple of things. It's because it's quite an interesting one. When I work with my clients, it's quite often the the membership, the community, that sort of thing comes up. Um, mm. But obviously, it's not it's not my area of expertise. But one of the interesting things that keeps coming up, and I think there is the the challenge that they face is the word passive income. Yeah, huh. because there are so many people that I speak to that think passive income means is you do it once and you never have to touch it again. Yeah. And that's that that it, it can't be about that, can it? No, I mean uh, the the truth is, despite what internet marketing gurus and I say that doing the air quotes with my fingers, <laughs> which of them. course, which of course you guys in a totally audio audio medium cannot see me doing, yeah. but I'm aggressively air quoting. Um, despite what a lot of online gurus will tell you, passive income is never passive. Mm. Nobody who read the four hour work week only works four hours a week. Not even the guy who wrote it. No. All right, um, I I hate that term. Mm. I hate that phrase because of the exact reason you say it conjures up ideas of kicking back on a beach, sipping cocktails as the money rolls in. And I realized the irony in saying that having just been over to the Philippines where I was kicking back on a beach in a hammock, sipping cocktails <laughs> as the money rolls in. But really, that is the exception and, and not the rule. I prefer um, leveraged. Okay. Ink. Okay. And that word itself also kind of turns the stomach for some people, and mm. it did a little bit for me. But when you really think about uh, about what a membership business allows you to do, it just allows you to better leverage your time, skills, knowledge, experience, and expertise on a one-to-many basis mm. rather than being in that hamster wheel of trading time for pounds, trading time for dollars, working one-on-one. And so – it's it's not about passively making money while you sleep. You know, there's there's a kind of an old um, internet marketing joke that internet marketers work 18 hours a day so they can make money while they sleep. Mm. And that's kind of what it is, you know. Memberships involve work. Yeah. Yes, it's work that's better leveraged. Yes, it's work that is can be a lot more fulfilling and a lot more rewarding and sure the potential for how much you could make with something like a membership site purely by the fact it's one-to-many rather than one-to-one is often quite higher than what it would be when you're working services, but it's still work. Yeah. And you really can't overlook that work. A lot of people try and skirt past that, but it's a bit, when we talk about memberships, we talk about it as a business model, mm-hmm. not as a get rich quick, um, golden goose or silver bullet. That's going to unlock untold riches, <laughs> For zero effort. Yeah. I think some people online think that literally the only barrier to becoming a successful online millionaire mm. is simply deciding that you want to become a successful online millionaire. You still see people kind of saying, you know, I need to make £20,000 in the next week. How do I do it? The hell do I know? <laughs> <laughs> but that, but and, and so I suppose this is for those people who are thinking, because I, I get a lot, I work with coaches and therapists and, and stuff who, who are stuck in that model. Um, mm. And obviously one of their first, one of their risks is they're reaching burnout because they're trying to balance that hours for money thing. And it, it's not a long-term sustainable thing. Yeah. How do, what sort of suggestions would you bring out to someone who's kind of like going, do you know what? I love this idea. I want to build a community. They're thinking about all of this for the right reasons. Mm. What would you say their their starting point would be? Uh, you need to build an audience, okay. really. Okay. Um, you need to start building an audience. If you're passionate about a topic, if you know there's something you can help people with, it doesn't matter if right now you don't necessarily know what the final destination is going to be in terms of whether you will create a membership or an online course or a, a group coaching program. That doesn't matter right now. Mm. Build an audience. Start to build a following. Figure out who you want to serve. Figure out where they are. 
go be where they are and start serving them. So whether that means creating a podcast, creating a blog, setting up a Facebook group around a shared interest or around a particular topic, start building that audience because actually those guys are the ones who are going to tell you and direct you in terms of how best to serve them. You know, the the absolute best way of approaching this whole thing is listening to what your audience are saying. What problems are they having? What frustrations do they have? What challenges do they face? What excites them? What turns them off? What are they striving towards? What problems do they have? What goals they're trying to achieve? And how can you be a part of that journey? And that's where you actually get the inspiration and the idea and the direction for the way in which you serve them, the solution you can provide. You can't provide a solution unless you understand the problem. Yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely that first step is to just start building an audience. It also happens um, to be just good marketing sense because when you actually figure out what solution you want to provide, you have people to sell it to. Mm. You know the best product in the world, but if nobody knows you exist, yeah. it's that kind of, you know, if a tree falls in the wood in the woods and no one's around to hear it, did it, make a sound it's like if a membership or a course launches but you've got no email list no social following no facebook group did it really launch um you know you need to build that following the ideas will come from that your audience the people who who connect directly with you they are going to tell you how to serve them and if you're the right person and you're doing it for the right reasons then it, it all kind of slots into place. Um, yeah. And in turn, I'm kind of laboring the point, but in terms of audience building as well, there's a, a, a guy um, by the name of Kevin Kelly. He wrote a, a paper probably about 10, 15 years ago um, about the, like the, the fact that you don't have to have millions and millions of people. You know, you can, you can build a profitable business with just 10,000 raving fans yeah don't try to be everything to all people find you know be yourself have your your own voice and everything that you do don't try to be the next gary v or the next anyone be kind of the first you and focus on your 1000 true fans you can get 1000 people who hang on every word who listen to every podcast read every blog buy everything that you put out there you get 1000 people paying you 50 dollars a month that's fifty thousand dollars a month, and I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like for any for anyone who lives where we live up in Newcastle, you can you can do a lot with fifty thousand dollars a month. Seriously, you you can probably run Newcastle for fifty thousand dollars a month. Yeah, absolutely. Start a football team. Yeah. So, 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 with regards to, I suppose, it's, do you find that one of the obstacles, as well as the technology side, do you find that that scares people to? to worry because i suppose you've got the the two options which are the the membership plugins um or the um sites like kajabi or um thinkific and stuff is there an easier one to start off with or is it just about getting started um to a degree it's about getting started and i i always kind of feel bad in 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 really trying to encourage people not to get hung up on the technology okay because ultimately members don't care what plugin you're using what platform you're using just as long as it works for them they don't want to think about this stuff yeah but i also realize that when i'm saying to people keep the tech simple don't get hung up on it don't spend too long on it that i'm doing so as if i blow my own trumpet an extremely good um web developer yeah you know, I, I am a reformed web developer. I don't build websites for people anymore, mm-hmm. but I I was I was very good. Yeah. Um, if I say so myself. <laughs> um, you may. So yeah, so I, I realized that it's it's kind of um yeah, it's 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 not really helpful for me mm. to say, oh, well, all this stuff's easy because it is to me, but I've got like 15, 20 years experience building yeah. websites. Yeah. Um, some of the platforms that exist out there, like Kajabi, like Thinkific, like Rainmaker is another one. Mm. Um, they're all good in their own ways. Mm. My main issue that I have with them is that when you use a platform like that, you surrender control of what will become, hopefully, your biggest business asset. Yeah. Okay. I get you. You are building your house on somebody else's land. And while you do that, you are always 
not only limited and restricted in terms of the amount of control that you have, but you're always at risk mm-hmm. that their plans and your plans will at some point diverge. Yeah. And if they decide that actually they no longer want to allow people to host videos or they have a community feature and then they decide it's no longer in their interest to offer it, there's not really a great deal you can do if they decide to to change tact. And this is mm. a big part of the reason why I also encourage people to not have too much of their business reliant on Facebook yeah. for exactly the same reason because yeah. they've proved themselves quite a volatile platform. Yeah. So the sense. the pro of those kind of platforms is you can get up and running quickly, you can execute fast, you can go to market quick, and you don't have to worry about the tech. But that comes with a big, big price, both financially, because some of the platforms like Thinkific, uh, sorry, Thinkific's not as expensive as some of the other ones. It's a great platform for yeah. courses in particular. But some platforms like Kajabi yeah. are not cheap. No, they're not. Rainmaker, no. yeah. Rainmaker's not cheap either. Um, so they come with a big financial cost, mm. but they also come with an even bigger cost than that, and that's risking your main business asset. So we tend to encourage people a little more towards self-hosted uh, memberships, more often than not WordPress based simply because WordPress, I mean, it powers like 40 odd percent of the internet. They are countless options. You're never going to struggle to find a WordPress web developer, you know, throw a stone in any crowd and you'll hit at least two of them. They're everywhere. Um, so we prefer WordPress based membership sites. Mm. There's all sorts of plugins available. Really the best plugin is and this is a really frustrating answer to give. The best plugin to use is the one that best fits your needs. Yeah, um, it's an honest one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it really is a how long is a yeah. how long is a piece of string. It yeah. really depends. Um, it depends a lot on what payment providers you're using. Mm. So if you're using quite an obscure payment processor, if you're not using PayPal or Stripe, for example, then it becomes harder to find a plugin that actually supports that. Your email marketing service provider is also going to be a factor if you use infusionsoft or um yeah let's say if you use infusionsoft there are far fewer membership plugins that will work with infusionsoft than there are will work with ones that will work with aweber or mailchimp yeah okay or even active campaign if you use like entreport mm. there are only like two or three membership plugins out of the 30, 40, or 50 big ones um, that work with that. So it's really about, like we recommend to anyone who's thinking about membership plugin or thinking about WordPress-based membership site, sit down, write down all the features that you need, write down and have two columns next to it. Um, Tick next to the ones that are essential, as in there's no room for compromise, and then also identify the stuff that's just nice to have because you will need to compromise on some of the features, some of the things you want to do uh, if you're using an off-the-shelf membership plugin. And, of course, think about the integrations you need. Test out the customer support as well. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just a case of narrowing down. And we do have resources on our site that help people narrow that down as well. Yeah, and I, I suppose it's, that's an interesting one because I, um, I was interviewing um, Ali McGill last night mm. And we were yeah. talking about that is we get this product that may be great, but it's if something goes wrong, mm. when you make the phone call, one, can you even make a phone call? Which yeah. it's getting more challenging as we seem to oh, go yeah. along. The other thing is, is, is there, is there support structure right for you in order to give it? Because I think that's, that's something that not many people look at. They look at the, the bells and whistles at the front end, but they don't really think about the, the support side of it, the backside. Yeah, and to be perfectly honest, um, not everyone's going to be in a position to do this, but one of the best things you could do if you know that you are not tech savvy, mm. that you will need more hand-holding, is, ha- is have your own developer. Yeah. Yeah. Don't need to pay them a full-time wage. You maybe even just give them a retainer for them to be on hand if something happens because quite a lot of these kind of plugins, like their support system – First of all, a lot of them are US-based. So Mm. if you're in the UK and you're building a membership site and you submit a support request, um, then you're going to have that time difference to deal with just in terms of the working hours of the support team in most cases. Like a lot of these, a a lot of the plugin companies, they will get back to you within 24 hours. And a a response within 24 hours for a technical thing, for a a piece of software, it's not not terrible. Mm. But if your website is broken and it's down, mm. um, 
and you're losing money and you're getting complaints and you've got hundreds of thousands of members, then having to wait yeah. eight hours for someone in California to get out of bed and, and get into the office is is a problem. Yeah. So if you just have somebody on hand um, to to navigate this stuff for you, even if it's just you know a lot of the a lot of the reasons why you'll hear people say i went with this plugin or this system and it was the worst support ever it actually wasn't the worst support ever it's just the two sides were speaking different languages you've yeah. got a, someone who is techie first and human being second yeah versus someone who is not techie at all and frustrated and <laughs> and confused yeah. and and worried about their business so sometimes having a developer to hand um even just to translate hmm will save you so many headaches mm. um and there's communities and stuff like that um hint hint yeah. that uh have have uh, people in there help with tech stuff uh <laughs> okay the, the the final the final question is it's one question that um i'm always intrigued at when i when i speak to people about this is the the amount of content that you put on your site mm. Because there's there's some people that will I guess will use their that site as a portal to their um their whole repertoire of content, mm. um and then there's other ones that may um use the use the um site as a um selected they they cherry pick their content in order to to get the response that they're looking for is is there a right way or a wrong way or is it one of those very vague and uh, vague play, vague responses um it's it's the latter right. um there there is no ultimately with memberships as with everything there is no one size fits all mm. Anytime you hear somebody telling you that they have a, a guaranteed six-step system or anything like that, run a mile in the opposite direction because there is no blueprint. Most people who, if they are selling you the blueprint of something mm. like, and it's based on their success, chances are that they don't actually know how they became successful. Mm. You know? yeah. And so when they try, the system they come up with isn't how they got to where they got to. And you see that with some of the advice that's out there about memberships. Mm. There is no one size fits all. Um, the amount of content that you put out is the amount of content it takes to help people achieve their goals, yeah. to reach their destinations, okay. to solve their problems. It's got to be the right fit for your audience. You don't want to overwhelm your audience because, you know, if you're putting out, um, let's say you're doing three live webinars a week, and I've been in memberships uh, where they were doing like three live calls a week with their member base. If you miss two or three weeks and you've missed like six, seven, eight calls, yeah. you very quickly start to feel like you're slipping behind. Yeah. And you'll you'll maybe accept that for a little bit, mm. but then you start to feel, okay, I'm not getting the value here yeah. because I can't keep up and I'll never catch up. Mm. And as a result, you end up canceling. And that is a big reason why people, why people cancel. It's not because there's too much content. It's just, it's not delivered in a way that is conducive to consumption. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that like you can launch, you can launch a membership with no content whatsoever. Mm. You can deliver, you can deliver all your content live. Mm. And, you know, some of the content you put out there isn't, doesn't have to be content in the traditional sense of videos, audios, text. Content can be um, live Q&A calls. It can be discounts or perks or special offers that you've gone out there and negotiated on behalf of your members. It doesn't have to be educational content. Hmm. So you want to mix you want a mix of the different types of content rather than just bombarding people with course after course, webinar after webinar. I like to advocate something that i call content streams so this is where you choose maybe about four at the most five or six different distinct types of deliverable you're going to have in your membership so your deliverable deliverables might be mini courses so maybe these are like 90 to two hour 90 minute to two hour long courses um checklists people love checklists and templates and stuff like that stuff that helps them do the little tasks easier so deliverable one could be mini courses deliverable two template deliverable three is a monthly mastermind call deliverable four could be a member offer so mm. a perk you bring a new discount or perk off your members right. every month so 
what you would do with that is week one, you release a new mini course. Week two, you put out a new piece of content. This time, it's deliverable too. It's your checklist. Week three, you run your live mastermind call. Week four, you put out a new member perk. So it's something new every single week. But because you're alternating between these different distinct types of deliverables in your membership, it's not going to be overwhelming because you're not just hitting people with course after course after course after course. You're changing things up. You're changing the amount of time someone needs to spend to consume something. You're changing the how useful Mm -hmm. the things will be because not everyone is going to need your checklists not everyone's going to join for your mastermind calls not everyone's going to bother looking at the perks but you get the benefit of of showing that you're adding fresh content you're delivering that ongoing value that you know what if you want people to pay you on an ongoing basis you do need to deliver value on an ongoing basis Mm -hmm. so this sort of approach lets you deliver that ongoing value without bombarding members with the same thing over and over and over again and it also helps you to batch produce content well in advance as well because if you know that 50 percent of your content consists of offers and checklists you can get these lined up and prepared months in advance Mm -hmm. your live sessions all you need to do is turn up at the allotted time and answer questions. So then the the only real heavy lifting in terms of content becomes courses. So yeah, it, it really is about finding that balance. There's no point. You don't want to overwhelm members. You don't want to overburden yourself. Yeah, People do make the mistake of thinking they need to give too much information. Um, the way in which you organize and present and deliver that organization is a lot uh, that content is a lot more important than how much content you put out i know that turned into a bit of a, a long answer there and i'm i'm no, sure you're it's, in the timer it, but hopefully no no i mean it's a it's a great answer because i mean i often talk to my clients who when we look at performance and my and mindset and stuff and we talk about batching stuff because mm. you can be so you know i had to learn about batching when we when i started doing the podcast because yeah. I do it with my videos, but I didn't realize, you know, sometimes you do it on one thing, but not the other. Go figure. But it's um, but it's looking at it, and you're, you're so right. I mean, the amount of time actually you save by batching, yeah. strategically thinking about what you want to put out there can save a ridiculous amount of time. And therefore, right. you're not always chasing your tail and putting the pressure on you on the 11th hour as well. So, no, that's... Um, I didn't expect anything but a fantastic response from that, Mike. <laughs> Hi, it's Jeff here. Great news. Our Facebook group has just launched. Join this exclusive closed community of like-minded people wanting to create and live an exceptional life and develop a success IQ. Whether your goals are focused for your business or personal life, this group is perfect for you. I look forward to seeing you there and as usual, wishing you the greatest success in the adventure of life. Visit www.successinstigators.com today. So, okay, we are back now, second half of the show, where I get an opportunity to put Mike on this question seat and for even more questions. And we're going to ask him the questions that I ask every single guest on the show, starting with question one, Mike, which is how much time a week do you spend on self-development? Oh, on self-development, um, oh, probably, possibly not enough. <laughs> um, I would maybe say at most like four okay. to five hours, maybe. Okay. And does that is that reading? Is that um, workshops? Is that audio books? Is because I know obviously a part of other programs and stuff. But what, mm. is there a specific avenue that you prefer, or do you just see what's going on at the time? Um, I still prefer reading, Okay, you know, even, even for technical things. Um, you know, when I was doing web development, I would prefer learning from a book than learning okay. from tutorials, uh, go figure for someone who's in the field of e-learning. Um, but you know, we are in countless memberships just by nature of what we do. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a few of those that I actually actively participate in yeah. and follow and, and stuff like that. I'm kind of blessed to be at that point in my career where it's, I don't necessarily have like knowledge gaps, so yeah. I don't I don't read or or join programs to necessarily learn new tactics, skills, or techniques. Okay. Um, a lot of what I've been doing more recently has been just around the mindset oh. side of things. Okay. Brilliant, excellent. Okay, question number two is: What is your favorite personal development book and why? There's a book called um, "Go It Alone." by Jeff Birch. That was one of the first, it was the first kind of um, entrepreneurial book 
or business book that I, I read. And he's a, he's a British guy. Uh, I don't know if you've read any of his stuff. He's got a, a, a number of books. Um, Self-Made Me is another great book by Jeff. Okay. And just the way in which he described um, self-employment and running your own business kind of gave me that license I talked to do what I talked about at the beginning of the show to take control of my business mm. um, and get out the trap of, you know, the stuff like um, the customer is always right and you've kind of got to be subservient to everything that they want. Jeff Birch, go it alone, kind of empowered me quite a way. And he's, he's a funny guy as well. Cool. Excellent. Okay. Question number three is, what is your favorite app? My favorite app? At the minute, it's Instagram, as much as I hate to say that. Like, I really did not like Instagram for most of its life, but I can't seem to keep off it at the minute. Um, I, I have a pretty, a pretty clean phone in terms of apps i don't i i went a little bit nuts at one point and i i i went down the avenue when i I was running the agency of trying to run the business from my ipad it was when the ipad very first came out yeah and you know so i would have like programs on there to to like code so like coding apps and and ftp apps and all that stuff and web design apps and at one point i just I just kind of looked at it and thought, this is literally the stupidest thing in the world. Like, because I'm trying to force the use of an app mm-hmm. for typing code, typing code on an iPad for anyone who's not done it, it's it's really dumb to try and do that. And it was taking me three or four times longer. And so since then, I've kind of i've I've held back from um, getting too embroiled in using apps okay. in any significant way. But I love Instagram. I don't know why. And Slack as well. Slack's quite cool. Yeah. Brilliant. Excellent. Okay. The question number four is what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? <laughs> um, oh, wow. I've got two. Okay. I've got two. Um, one's a more specific one. One's just more a false start. So when I very, very first went self-employed, uh, I – I kind of, I had a, I suppose what the kids call a side gig, okay. uh, or side hustle, that's what they call yeah, it. That's what they call it, yeah. Down with the youth. Um, <laughs> I had a side hustle, um, which was essentially a software business. This was back in like 2002, 2003. Um, and it was kind of, it was almost like selling an off-the-shelf version of, I suppose, YouTube before YouTube was really a thing. It was something that helped people set up like video sites and um, and kind of like uh, arcade websites when you play Flash games online. Okay. So I kind of sold a bit of software that let people do that and all sorts of stuff around it. And as a result, it, it was quite successful, it was quite profitable. And I was able, I sold that and I sold a bunch of my domain name portfolio to fund my my ditching of the day job and going to self-employment. Okay. That was a big mistake because I had so much cliff to walk back on. I had this big cushy safety net. And as a result, my first year in self-employment, and I was still quite young, so there was a bit of naivety there. Um, I made every mistake you could ever make. I grossly undercharged. I didn't market myself. I massively overspent on equipment and office space and everything because I had this nice big nest egg and that lasted about a year until the money ran out and i i kind of looked at my sales pipeline i was like yeah i've kind of screwed this up and i actually went back into self i went back into employment Mm -hmm. as a result i framed it as a merging of my business into the business um that i joined because it was a it was someone i used to do a lot of work with um but i ended up having to go back into employment Right. While I was there, I got a little bit of a crash course in uh, how to actually run a business. And a year later, I went out and did it properly. And I'm still here, so I must have done something right. So that was one mistake. Another, I wrote a book back in 2012 called Bootstrap Marketing, um, which is a, it's 101 Top Tips to Market Your Business on a Budget. It's five years old, so I'm not chilling it because a lot of it's out of date um, now. But the whole premise was basically how to market without having to pay for it. Mm. Um and so, you know, I, I I developed like a little training program and course that that led into. And if you ever want a guaranteed way of not selling an online product, 
then the guaranteed way of not selling it is is pitching it at an audience who you just told not to spend any money on marketing <laughs> business. Um, <laughs> so um, that was that was a mistake. I, in fairness, that was also it, it wasn't something like that was just on the side of of the main agency and stuff. So it wasn't quite as significant as I think my first year of self-employment, what I like to call my false start. But uh, it was certainly, it was certainly a little bit of a, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hindsight. Wonderful thing. Oh yes. (laughs) Okay. Question number five is um, what are your challenges in balancing work and life and how do you manage them? You know what? I'm one of those really annoying people. I don't feel I have any challenges between the two. I really, really don't. Part of that is because I genuinely love what I do. Um, It's it's not even close to being like working for a living. Uh, You know, the fact that I get to work with my partner um, is it it obviously it, it kind of. I don't even know if it blurs the lines between work and life as as opposed to just completely decimates them. <laughs> but we we have a lot of um a a lot of downtime, a lot of time to just kind of not focus on the business. Mm. Um certain conversations over dinner veer into business when it's relevant and veer into Game of Thrones when it's not. Um I get to travel a lot. I get to hang out with uh, with a lot of great friends who also happen to be business connections. So, yeah. honestly, um, there's no there's no real issue there. Mm. Part of that is because I don't have kids. Okay, um, I know that it's a lot more challenging where you where you have uh, kids, and also my family like they know better than to just drop around or anything like that because yeah. uh yeah i uh <laughs> i i have shut the door on them once before um, <laughs> just because i'm literally on a coaching call yeah go away yeah uh, but yeah um i i don't have any real issues okay. here okay i suppose the benefit of of having your partner working with you is is there's no conflict of when you're coming home when i'm going to see you because exactly. you exactly. know exactly what's going on anyway exactly. and if and, you make room for that downtime as well yeah and and honestly um a big part of that is is the business model that we have the membership site uh yeah. you know our entire business is running our membership site uh it's not an on the side thing we don't do any client work whatsoever mm-hmm. and we haven't done for a long time uh the the challenges and work-life balance were huge when um when i was running the agency they yeah. really were. Uh, I I didn't have a holiday at all for seven years, mm. um, and that was that was the span I'd been running the business. And then in 2012, I um, I, I went on my first holiday, and I spent probably two months trying to lay the foundations, the logistics in place to cover me for the three weeks that I'd be on holiday. Yeah. I hired two backup web agencies to to take on any any emergency projects i had all sorts of stuff in place emergency emails emergency phone numbers people manning them 24 7 i i had to promise to cali that i wouldn't take my laptop with me and so you know i i really stressed i lost a lot of sleep worrying about how cataclysmic it was going to be when i wasn't around for three weeks and then I went away for three weeks and nobody cared. No. Literally nobody noticed. The world didn't stop yeah. turning. We had one email in to our emergency email address. And it was from a friend of ours who was literally emailed it to say, have you really set up an emergency email address? <laughs> oh, you just thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that, honestly, that was a big mindset changer because yeah. I think we all like – we all get that superhero syndrome. We all like to think that everybody pays all this attention and everybody lives or dies by how available we are and whether we do this or whether we do that. But actually, <laughs> we're not really that important. No, no. You know? um, yeah. And that was that was a big eye-opener for me. Wow, brilliant. Okay. So number six is, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Um, you You get to set your own terms. Okay. Nobody tells you that. Like we yeah. kind of think that when when you're going to self-employment, that that in itself, that's the act of rebellion. Mm. That's breaking from the norm. But 
a lot of t- a lot of the times unless you've had uh, unless you come from like an entrepreneurial family or you're fortunate enough to have a mentor early on you end up building the structure and building the mindset and the world around yourself that resembles the world of employment that you've come from yeah and so you kind of almost become subservient to to your business to this imagined higher master you play by these imagined rules and you you work to someone else's terms yeah you work the way that you've kind of always known to work in employment um and as a result, you kind of you, you don't always realize that yeah the customer isn't always right. It's okay to turn away work. Yeah. Um. It's okay to say no to things. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. You don't have to be thankful and grateful and bow down to every client who is willing to give you some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you get to set your own terms. Be selective. Say no a lot more. Yeah. Um. Powerful word. Comp- yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, question number seven is, is what is your definition of success? Oh, man. Honestly, that's it's something that well, I say that a lot of the stuff I've been focusing on recently has been mindset. Mm. That's a question that um, I've been working with. Okay. I've really been working with because, honestly, and again, I, I, I'm not only English, I'm Geordie, and I'm from the most working class place you come from. So you're not allowed to um, to, to celebrate or, or feel good about any form of success. But we are blessed to be at a point where financially we we don't need more. Mm. Like you can, if we have more, we can do more with it. And I'm finding a great desire to do more good mm. with it. And that sounds so cheesy, um, but you know, financially. It's 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 not about it. It's always been for me more about how you make the, your money than how much money you make. So I think, yeah, I think for me, success is is not having to um, think about success being tied to to money. Okay, I think. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a. I know that kind of isn't a great answer, but as I said, there's something that I've kind of been trying to actually decipher a little bit more myself. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant because I think that's that's part of the pursuit, isn't it? It's it's understanding what it means to us, and yeah. some people can get it. Quite often, initially, the first definition is what other gurus have told them. Yeah, you know, so it's the it's the million dollar always comes up, or yeah. it's the private jet, or it's the whatever five. You know, <laughs> you see these videos on 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 Facebook with them. Um, Parking like their seven sports cars if they are actually their cars. <laughs> no, they're all rented. Yeah, all on, gone, you know, yeah, they've I mean, been the sports car experience day where they got a gift certificate off crazy. their auntie. <laughs> I mean, I would watch one the other day, and he was there, and he pulled up in his in his Lamborghini, then his Ferrari, then his yeah. Rolls, and then some, and, and then he was polishing them. And I was like, uh, man. what the heck, you know? And it's and it's this conception that we're poisoned with that yeah. that's what success is, but as you go it on is, through and- life. Yeah, and the truth is, like people who are making real money, they yeah. don't talk about it. No, they really, really don't talk about it. And I remember one of the communities that I'm in, somebody actually decided to pay attention mm-hmm. to this kind of um, social media braggery. Yeah, and they were somehow able to um, locate and identify the big stately home that they supposed internet multimillionaire and he was a UK based guy, which I think is why they, they were prompted to look a little more into them. Cause it's okay. not really a UK style thing. No. It's, it's mostly the Americans who do this, Yeah, but he managed to figure out where that actually was and, and figure out some of the locations and the office space and all that. And it was like, he didn't own the place. No, he, he just turned up outside. Um, I think it was, it was a hotel. <laughs> all right. It, it was it was a hotel in the countryside, um, and he walked by the fancy-looking cars but didn't yeah. get too close. Yeah. And then you had this thing of office space, and it was basically like rented. It was where you hired the office for the day and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just I know. like I, cringeworthy. <laughs> it really, really is. But unfortunately, you know, it's it's yeah, I know. some people it's seductive, it and is. if you. If you haven't been around the block enough times online, yep. you can very easily get fooled by yeah, it. I can. think, you know, I think actually for me, 
the success thing is, look, I'm really bad. I don't get out of bed before nine o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter what time I wake up. Mm. My active daily protest, I live relatively close to the A1, um, which is for anyone <laughs> not in Newcastle. Is, <laughs> it's, is it's a major road. <laughs> yeah, it's a major road. Like, we're not allowed a motorway or a freeway where we live. It kind of stops when you get to where we live and then turns into a smaller road and yeah. then turns back to the motorway yeah. once you're out. Yeah. So, like, I live quite close there. So, on a morning, I can hear the commuters. Mm. And so my daily act of defiance, and I suppose my daily measure of success, is the fact that it doesn't matter what time I've woken up, if I've woken up seven, if I've woken up eight, I can stay in bed until nine o'clock, which is the start of the workday, and then I get out of bed. That is my daily screw you to <laughs> conforming and to employment and all that sort of stuff. Now, of course, if I've got an event or I've got a podcast yeah. or all that yeah. sort of stuff, but unless I've got something on the cards, I like that little daily act of defiance. So yeah. I, I guess if there's anything I can put my finger really on in terms of what success is, success is giving that little daily screw you to yeah. uh, yeah. the employed world. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> okay, so the final question is, is the life lesson question. Based on my experience of recovering from an illness to start my business, you get an opportunity to pick a number between 1 to 50, and whatever lesson that lands on, we briefly discuss it. You can disagree with it because maybe that's something that you haven't experienced, mm-hmm. but um, pick a number between 1 and 50, Mike. Eight. Number eight is, <laughs> right, okay, mindset. God, it's crazy because okay. this is this is like the sixth call where people talk about it and they discuss it on the show, and then all of a sudden the number that they pick for the lesson <laughs> is the thing. And the amount of emails is... Tell me you pick another one. No, absolutely not, because <laughs> it, it's the way the universe has delivered it. So there we are, number eight. Why do you think mindset is um, is so important? I think for me, a lot of the a lot of the mindset challenges and blocks that people have come down to permission. Mm. We're waiting for permission for something. Yeah, we do it all our lives. We wait until we're given permission, or we challenge the idea of being given permission when we're a child. But we kind of lose that mm. when we get older, because when you start challenging the idea of getting permission or waiting for permission. As you get into your teens, into young adulthood, then that has negative connotations for you and you're rebellious and you're a pain in the backside and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I think in business, too many people wait for permission because mm. their mind, their brain, their thought patterns are wired that way. Mm. No one's going to do it for you. No one's going to tell you that it's okay now for you to be successful until now because yeah. it is okay to be successful yeah. you have permission to go out there and to do whatever the hell you want mm. to be genuinely authentic within the way you um you put your message out there not authentic in the marketing sense of being able to say you know one of our company aims is to be authentic yeah. just be authentic just be yourself piss people off yeah sorry i've just got you no class- fantastic it's, that's it's, right it's, we are now yeah. a <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. that's fine. But no, but it's it's, it's yeah. <laughs> but it's exactly what you say, isn't it? It's it's there's there's only you that can lead to your success anyway, and it's it's all comes from your head. It, yeah, no one's no one's going to do it for you. They're yeah. really not. Uh, you you have permission to craft the business that you actually want to run. You have permission to turn clients away or turn jobs away where you know they're going to be a pain. You've got permission to double your rates. Yeah. You've got permission to go on holiday. You've yeah. got permission to pivot, to start a membership, to launch a course, to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. You've got permission to have an opinion. Yeah. And you've got permission to put that opinion out there. You've got permission to just ignore anyone who comes along and says, well, I don't agree with your opinion. Okay, good for you. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. I've still got that opinion. So, yeah, don't yeah. wait for permission. You don't need to please anyone particular you're not serving any specific master set your own terms don't wait for someone to do it for you don't wait to be told that's okay to live the life you want to live and to have the success you want to have and run the business you want to run brilliant brilliant mike thanks very much um i could um i could speak to you for ages i'm looking forward to the next time we sort of catch up for a coffee and stuff so give to give you an opportunity now to give people the information to find out more about one your amazing site 
to what you um how people can sort of follow you and and catch up more about what you do uh yeah i mean we put out a lot of good stuff over at the membership guys.com uh that's our blog podcast loads of resources we run our membership site about membership sites that's at membersiteacademy.com if you want to say hello let me know any thoughts on the podcast um then hit me up at membership guys on twitter or finally we have a free facebook group we've got about four thousand membership site owners in there helping each other out if you go to talkmemberships.com, that'll redirect you to the Facebook group. And, uh, yeah, that's a good place to ask any questions uh, if you're thinking about this as a business model. Brilliant. Mike, thank you very much. I just want to say uh, I'm really grateful for you joining us. It's been, I've got tons of notes. I'm going to re-listen awesome. to this episode over and over again. <laughs> um, and I just want to take this opportunity to say wishing you the greatest success. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. I always worry about the on-the-spot questions and answers stuff but um no i think i managed to wing that one That's like good. a pro mike <laughs> like a pro <laughs> so first of all just let me say a huge thank you for tuning in or subscribing to the show i'm very grateful for that if you have any suggestions of topics that you would like to to suggest that we have on the show or perhaps you want to give me feedback of uh, of what you think about the show then you can send any emails to podcast at jeffnicholson.co.uk i love hearing from you and your feedback really does help me make the show better so if you want to find out more about me or how i can assist you to live the exceptional life then you can visit www.jeffnicholson.co.uk or you can follow me on twitter look for gn coach or on all other social media sites i am jeff nicholson uk if you want to subscribe to the show you can find us on itunes and stitcher if you've also enjoyed the show can i invite you to pop over to itunes and give us a rate and review as it really does help make the podcast more visible to increase its audience i look forward to speaking to you next week and i want to take this time to wish you the greatest success take care